welcome Carmen Allington to the stage. Woo! Come on. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Oh, where do you go from there? Up, <laughs> only up. Wonderful. Oh, thank you so much. Isn't it great, just a side note, to belong to such a wonderful community? This is what we've been talking about for the last four weeks, our church community, and it is precious and it is incredible. I feel like Sunday is such a empowering time. I'm charged up, ready to go into my week because I know there are people praying for me who love me and who are in my corner. And I remember last week um, Gwenda came up to me and said something very beautiful to me. And I just felt like, oh, it's just so great to have people on your side who, who, who really do truly love you. So thank you, Gwenda. So this week we're changing tact a little bit. We're going from church community to church and the community. And um, in um, I, I uh, subscribe to Bible app and I get a verse of the day every day. And it comes up about like 6.25 in the morning just before Lucy starts screaming. And um, <laughs> I read this verse and I said, babe, babe. I knew I was preaching. I knew this was coming up. I was like, this, this is this is the verse. This is really good. So I hope you I hope you uh, love it as much as I do and find it as encouraging as I do. Can we look at Hebrews 13 verses 15 to 16? I'm going to read in the New Living Translation and then go to the message. So verse 15 says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to him. And don't forget to do good and share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. And in the message version, verse 16 says this, make sure you don't take things for granted and go slack in working for the common good. Share what you have with others. God takes particular pleasure in acts of worship, a different kind of sacrifice that take place in kitchen and workplace and on the streets. Awesome. Let's pray this morning. Thank you, God, for your word. We thank you that it's true and it doesn't lie. We thank you, God. You empower us. You give us the strength. You, Jesus, you are the anchor for our lives. Thank you that we can boldly go into the community and share our faith, share the love that you have poured into our lives with those around us. Lord, we thank you that through your word this morning, we are so encouraged. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, over the last four weeks, we've heard four really fantastic messages on what church community is, how it works, the revelation it is built on, the purpose it brings to our lives, and how God turns up in our midst and does the miraculous. And I'll continually refer to those messages as we go through today. But now pastors Chris and Vicky want us to take it a step further. What about church and the community? How does our church affect the community? What's our role, our calling collectively and personally? And what does our mission practically look like? When I looked at the title church and the community, I 
feel a personal call to action. And that's what I want to share with you today. So that's that, hence my title, Take It to the People. So I went, that's where I went with it. It's all right, my mind is a very interesting place. So <laughs> I believe this church has a specific and significant role to play in our community here and abroad in certain organisations and projects. But I also believe that first and foremost, God has a calling for every single one of us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So it is about taking the culture of our community that we've learned over the last four weeks with us wherever we go, living it and breathing it in our kitchens, in our workplaces and on our streets. The thing is, it's not just about grace. Pastor Phil said this at conference. He said, you know, we, we, our belief in Jesus is, is founded on grace because there's nothing that we can do to earn his love. But the fact is, Christians need to be good people. Like we need to be good people. It's out of the overflow. In James 2 verse 17, James writes, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. Our goodness doesn't save us. And that's, that's not what I'm saying today. No good act will save us. But it is a desire to do good is a result of our salvation. The goodness of God is at work in our lives. In Christ, we have become new creations. We no longer conform to the behaviour and patterns of this world. We are now moved by the love that God has so abundantly and graciously bestowed on us, empowered by the Holy Spirit to take the culture of our church community into our own kitchens, our workplaces, our neighbourhoods, and on the streets, the pavement we pound. So while actions such as giving to charities and donating our time and goods to the women's shelter, going on a mission trip to Fiji are absolutely essential. And hear me, they are. They're really meaningful and that's what we should be doing. But um, it's, it can't be relied upon as our sole good deed, can it? God did not save us for us to keep our salvation to ourselves, hiding who we are on Sunday from those we spend the other six and a half days a week with. We have a call to action. We do. To continually praise God wherever we go, as Hebrew says, share with others and do good. As Pastor Chris said a couple of weeks ago, the purpose of our community is for those who haven't walked in the door yet. People who we are with every day, who, who we hope will eventually walk in the doors of this place, shouldn't be surprised by our, by our community culture when they walk in the door. They will immediately feel at home because they will have already experienced this culture by knowing us. Because we have taken the church to them because we carry it wherever we go. So in Matthew 28 and Acts 1, and we've, we've gone over these passages a lot in the last four weeks, but I just want to draw your attention to it again. Jesus clearly lays out his directives to us as believers, and they are calls to action. Let's just read them again quickly. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, 
the Son and the Holy Spirit, teach these new disciples to, to obey all the, all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Pretty sure the word go is in there. It is. Therefore go. And in Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus specifically says go and to tell people about him everywhere. Right there is our mission to go and make disciples, to share Jesus with people everywhere. And let's look back to one of our other key scriptures from the last four weeks to, to just have a think about how that really looks and how do I go about sharing Jesus. So if we go back to Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, I'm just going to read it again. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles before many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared with money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, there it is again, and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. As Nathan said, our key cultural points are right there. And we can take those with us into our kitchens, into our workplaces, into our neighbourhoods. Listening to God's word, spending time together, praying for one another, God showing up, sharing with those in need, worshipping, going to each other's homes for meals, praising God. This culture should envelop and pervade our entire lives. It is in this environment that people discover Christ and become disciples. As Pastor Chris said, these actions are a mean to an end, but they are a significant and purposeful mean means to an end. Really good. Now, please stick with me. I'm going somewhere with this. We're getting into some scripture first and then I want to spend some time in the second half of my message just encouraging us in how we share the gospel. So let's uh, pop a pin in Acts and hop across to our scripture in Hebrews. I'm just going to read, sorry, Marilla, I'm just going to re read the message version, verse 16. Make sure you don't take things for granted and go slack and working for the common good. Share what you have with others. God takes particular pleasure in acts of worship, a different kind of sacrifice that take place in kitchen and workplace and on the streets. You're going to go out of here thinking, kitchen, workplace, streets, kitchen. I've said it that many times. So I'm, I'm very comfortable repeating things. I spend my entire day repeating things. That's what I do. <laughs> That's uh, the life of a mama. So I, let's talk a little bit about the context of Hebrews. So Bible scholars and theologians don't know exactly who wrote this particular book, but it sounds more pastoral and exhorting, so encouraging tone than some letters. So it's possibly more of a, a sermon that was put out. 
It was addressed to first century Jewish Christians living in the dispersion. So as Brendan so eloquently spoke about last week, the church spread or dispersed and grew because the group of believers we found in Acts 2 began to be persecuted by the religious establishment, so by the Jewish leaders. And so after the Holy Spirit came and filled the disciples and the other believers, they were empowered to spread the good news and so the church grew. And the Jewish religious leaders hated this. They jailed and killed believers. And still the early Christians didn't stop. They did, however, spread out. So the author throughout the book of Hebrews is strategically encouraging them because this persecution just kept happening. It didn't disappear. And in this final passage, chapter 13, the author is giving his final words of instruction and encouragement and it sort of reads as a a call to specific ethical actions and this is where we find our scripture today a call to put our faith into action not just to keep our community to ourselves hiding back where it was safe because that's what they wanted to do it was it was safer in the synagogue it was safer retreating back to Judaism than standing up for Jesus and I think we've all been there Right, It sort of feels a bit safer to retreat back to your church community and just keep it to Sunday because out there it's just a bit scary. But no matter what is going on in our lives, what judgment or persecution we are facing, we can hold fast to Jesus who is our anchor and move forward boldly sharing our faith. Our acts of sacrifice and worship mean we sacrifice our personal comfort and gain, as Pastor Chris said. We praise God and lift him up in every situation. We go against societal norms and sharing and doing good when it just doesn't make sense to. So because of the revelation of Jesus' love and grace, we have experienced here, we can take it to our kitchens, our workplaces, our neighbourhoods and our streets. And this is a beautiful sacrifice. This is a beautiful sacrifice, putting God's purpose into action and it's it's so pleasing to him. So I just want to encourage you now with some stories about how this has sort of practically looked in my life in different seasons and it's something that I'm continually challenged by, definitely not perfect at, at all. Um, but I just want to encourage you in, in a few, few, telling you about a few different areas of my life and how this has looked. So first of all, in high school, I think some people have, they either love high school or they hate it. And I hated it. I did. I was sent to this beautiful Christian school and I got a great education and the environment was amazing. But I just found it really hard. I kind of hit a really, I think a really dodgy year group. And although it was a Christian school, I think I was probably one of the the handful of practising Christians. And that made life a bit hard. Um, Standing for something meant you were sort of um, a target for ridicule. And although I've I've never been, um, I was pretty quiet and timid as a kid, so I wasn't the kind to 
you know, go making enemies because I was talking out loud about my faith all the time. But being diligent and hardworking and, and people knowing that I'm a Christian and I go to church on Sunday so I can't stay late at that party and I'm not going to get drunk, that, that makes you a bit of a target. But something I came to realise quite early on is that if I didn't stand for something, I would fall for anything. And the pain of standing up for Jesus was less than the pain of going out and doing, you know, conforming to this, you know, the pressure of my peers. It's worse, way worse. Consequences are way worse. So I don't know if that encourages anyone this morning, no matter what's going on around you, just to stand firm. Stand firm in your faith because I later found out that people really did respect me, that I had that integrity. So keep going. Stand firm. Sometimes in some seasons of your life, you don't say much. You just stand firm. You stand firm. You stand firm. As a mum now, I have been exposed to um, building new relationships. I meet mums at kindy, at at um, occasional care, you know, I just, I have, I'm still friends with the, the mums group that I've, we formed when the, Jemima was a baby. And so I'm, I'm all of a sudden, I went from Bible college where everyone was a Christian, like I didn't really know a non-Christian. And then I'm plunged into this world of motherhood and all of a sudden, the majority of people in my world aren't Christians. But I have this beautiful friend um, I've been friends with for about a year, I met through kindy. And um, she's got three kids as well. And um, I really felt that God put her in my life. I had been praying my entire pregnancy with Lucy that I would have um, another friend with um, three kids. And actually God doubled that, gave me Cara too. <laughs> but this, this friend isn't a Christian. And um, she's estranged from both sides of her family, really. They don't have family support. So it's just her and her husband and their kids. And they have some other beautiful friends around them. But um, I was, I, I took my friend and her youngest daughter out, who's, and her youngest daughter is like a week and a half older than Lucy. So they're really close together in age. And, and this little girl is just gorgeous, but she's a koala. She clings to her mother. She doesn't go to anyone. She doesn't smile at anyone. She won't let anyone hold her. Like she is just clinging to her mother the entire time. And I've been trying to endear myself to her, <laughs> build a bit of a relationship. And I joke sort of on and off all the time with my friend about, oh, you know, she smiled at me today. I'm getting there. You know, like after a year, I'm getting a smile. Woohoo! But she said, come and don't underestimate it. Please don't underestimate it because I know she loves you. She said, apart from my husband and myself, the person my kids see the most is you. And that really hit me. Sometimes all we have to do is be there for someone and be a part of their world and do it consistently and love them. And I don't hide the fact that I'm a Christian. I talk about church on Sunday and how wonderful it is. And I yeah, I don't hide, but also we share our day-to-day -day struggles together because having three little kids under five is, is hard. And, uh, yeah, it's um, – but I, I, I believe I see her in this place one day. 
and I, I cling to that. And I'm encouraged by the fact, I said to mum one day, I'm just like, when is Katie going to come to church? When are we going to get that opportunity? Like, come on, come on, come on. And she's like, come on, seriously. Vicky prayed for me for nine years before I walked into church and I'm like, okay, in it for the long haul, yay. <laughs> and, you know, talking about um, parents, I just want to say that um, – I know it's it's on my heart and it's a big part of my life, but I really do have um, a desire to reach out to the to the families in this community. And Cara and I have been uh, praying and talking with Pastor Vicky about starting a um, a play group next year to reach out to the women, the families in this community, and um, we want to extend the culture of our community to the families in this community. And, yeah, it, it's such – parenthood can be a very lonely journey and you can feel like it's only you who are going through those things. And Cara and I want to let these women know that, you know, we have the same struggles. As Christians, we're normal. We're not excluded from them, but that uh, we have a point of difference. We have Jesus. And even if we don't say it, it's just being there. It's providing a safe, warm, loving environment. So, you know, and it's just a couple of hours each week. It's just a morning. Another thing, we love having people in our home. Mason and I love having people in our home. And we know that this is a God thing because we're introverts. We are not naturally going to go, come on over. Yeah, it's all right. Come as you find us and, oh, we'll talk for hours. Like, we love that. We do. But that's not our natural tendency. So we know that's a God thing. God has definitely worked on us. So if you don't find that easy, it's okay. That's okay. But, uh, yeah, we have people in our homes all the time. We, we, uh, it's family, friends, church, people, people who are Christians, people who aren't. And there's something about welcoming people into your personal space, isn't it? It, it lets your guard down. It lets their guard down. I find you have really precious conversations in those times. And again, it just lets people know that you're there and that you're a part of their world. <laughs> really, Nathan read my message and he read this point and he laughed out loud, literally, LOL. Um, <laughs> once upon a time, after I finished Bible college, I'd, I jumped around for a few jobs. Oh, it was a really hard season. Anyway, I ended up in a call centre. Don't ask me why. Don't, don't even go there. But there, there was a guy there who, who was going through Bible college. He was working part-time. So I think he was in the year or two below me. So I kind of knew him, not particularly well. But anyway, one day I get this email. I'm like, I never get emails at work. Like, no one has any reason to send me an email. And... Um, he had emailed me his detailed evangelism plan for the workplace. And I was like, I just, my jaw dropped. I'm like, um, did I have to have one too? I'm like, no, my first reaction was, this is weird. Run, run as fast as you can. Our plan needs to be to love people. That's it. I know he was in very well intentioned, but... Um, People don't respond to Bible bashing and manipulation. They just don't. People, people need to get to know you and that 
that that's love and friendship. And, and, and you know, Jesus living inside you, it's going to come out. It's going to come out. And I love what St. Francis of Assisi says. He says, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Don't, don't, don't have to have fancy words. But one thing we can do is we can pray for people, can't we? We can pray for people. I've, I've always found that um, with non-Christians, they're going through something tough and you say, can I pray for you? I don't think I've ever had anyone refuse me. Even if they don't believe in God or don't have a faith, it, it's just letting them know that you care. Um, Pastor Mark Driscoll says this. He says, prayer also frequently works as a pre-evangelism for friends and family. Very rarely do I have a non-Christian tell me they don't want me to pray for them. I hear their wives have cancer, their children are sick, their jobs are in danger. They're on the verge of divorce, all kinds of things. I always ask, have you prayed about this? And they usually say, well, I don't really believe in God or I don't usually pray about anything, to which I ask, can I pray for you? I've never had anyone say, no, what if my baby gets better? Or what if the cancer goes away? (laughs) Usually they're grateful. And even if they're not followers of Jesus, they're willing to appreciate prayers made for them. And this opens the door to evangelism by inviting Jesus into the relationship through prayer. Isn't that incredible? It's so encouraging. It's so simple. We can feel so overwhelmed by reaching out to people and this pressure. But it's, this is good. This is encouraging. This is simple. We can do this. So one way we make reaching out to our friends and family tangible in this church is by choosing a friend or family member to pray for, intentionally, specifically, and pray that they would have what we call a plus one moment. So we pray that they would have experiences and encounters with people and situations that move them one step, uh, plus one step, closer to meeting and receiving Jesus as a personal Lord and Saviour. We pray about this in our Sunday services, in our prayer meetings, but one place we pray and talk about it consistently is in our connect groups. And just before we finish up this morning, I'm going to invite Barry first and then Liz just to give us a little bit of encouragement in, in this realm because there's some awesome things happening in our connect groups when we pray. So Barry, do you want to come up and just um, tell us in a, just a couple of minutes what's been happening for you? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I won't read your notes because they're not mine. <laughs> now try not to focus on the knees, it's okay. <laughs> All right, well, um, I, I, I love what she's saying about, what Carmen's saying about praying and about plus one moment. And the story I've got is actually something that just came out of the blue recently that happened 10 years ago, um, which is blown Michelle and I, our mind. Um, one of my... Um, Sisters, who's actually, you know, my older sister, she, um, back probably 10 years ago, both of us actually don't remember this conversation, but um, she came in and was t- talking about something where she, um, she'd been to the doctor and, and she said, oh, look, I've um, got to go in for some uh, thing. I think I might have cancer or something like this. And I don't know if you know Michelle, but in her way, um, she has this 
thing about her where she goes, no, that's not going to happen. Let's not talk that. Let's pray about this. And, you know, my sister's not a Christian. She's very spiritual, but she's not a Christian. And uh, so she went away and we totally forgot about this. Never, I actually don't remember, recall the conversation at all, so I don't even know if she spoke to me. But um, I was having a conversation with her on the phone just recently, which um, is very rare because we don't talk that often. And we got talking about uh, history and uh, of our family and all sorts of things. And one thing led to another. She spoke to it. She was talking about how um, she was getting rid of toxins in her body and, you know, all the way you eat and all this sort of stuff. And then it got to the topic of, do you remember about this cancer? And I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, well, 10 years ago I came to you and I actually had a uh, cervical cancer or was it cervical cancer or something like that. And she said, so I started getting rid of all uh, stuff I was eating. I started eating vegetarian and all sorts of stuff and, you know, she's right into what's good for you and what's not. And she said, I went in for the operation and that you've got to understand this cancer had a blood supply apparently. And which is quite serious. And she went in for this operation and the doctor said, look, I want to do a scan first and check it all out. And so he checked it all out and they were totally miffed because it was not there. It was totally gone. And I said to, I said to her, I said, look, that's, that's amazing. I said, but what do you reckon made the difference? Do you reckon it was all your food changes or do you think it was Michelle's prayer? And she goes, oh, definitely Michelle's prayer. And we're like, we did not know a thing about this, so yeah. That's awesome. How encouraging. How encouraging. Thank you, Barry. Oh, Liz. Oh, just keep praying for people. Yeah. Um, about two years ago, I reckon, Anne Holland asked our Connect group to pray for a, a young work colleague a uh, young woman that was uh, recently married. And uh, now, Anne, I've, I'm just going to lift her up because she is someone whose heart and spirit is always ready to bring community, <laughs> her God to the community, to her community and her workplace. And I really do want to lift her up. Uh, but she asked us as a Connect group to pray for this young woman because they'd found a cancerous tumour around her kidney and basically she had to have her kidney <coughs> removed and, you know, young woman who wanted to have a baby and this was all just thrown up in the air. We prayed and um, she had the kidney removed and um, some chemo and things settled down and she had a baby uh, who's about five months old now, six months old. Um, but probably about a month ago, three months ago, she um, told Anne that they'd found something else in the same place, but obviously not around the kidney because the kidney wasn't there. And um, tests showed that it was a malignant tumour and it, that wasn't very nice for it to come back so quickly. And um, so Anne said, we need to pray again, you know, our connect group and we... We got together and we can, we have continually prayed, uh, not just at Connect Group, but during the week. And Anne keeps encouraging us with texts and letting us know how Kylie's been going. And um, about a week and a half ago, she was operated on, and they realised they would have to take out her spleen. Um, they thought they were going to have to take part of her pancreas and some of her bowel, 
Um, so she had this very big operation and um, they took the spleen. They were able to leave the pancreas but they did have to take some of the bowel and I'm just reaching in to get my phone out because um, of course the what they took out was um, sent for um, testing and on Tuesday and sent us this message. Kylie just rang me to tell me the doctor saw her today and said, I have never ever seen this before. The pathology has come back on the malignant tumour and it is totally dead. Not one cancer cell in it. No cancer in all of those affected organs and everything connected. Praise our glorious, merciful, wonderful God. Thank you. Incredible. Incredible. How incredible. It's goes simple acts of faith and prayer with powerful results. So, oh, incredible. I'm sure every Connect group has their stories as well. So those are just the ones that I knew of recently. But we can understandably be hesitant or scared to speak about our beliefs or offer prayer, but we need to trust God, don't we? We need to trust God. As Brendan said, we can't forget the God factor. In our interactions with people, we need to invite God into that space and believe he will show up. We need to be open and sensitive to his presence and his direction. And this is where we need to remember we are filled with the Holy Spirit, right? We are filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit, just like the, the early Christians in Acts 2. One of my um, favourite ministers in, in the C3 movement is a guy called Fergus McIntyre. Fergus always says, when I walk into a room, so does God. Doesn't he? Like, he's just like, I'm here. I've arrived and so has God. And I love that. Because the Holy Spirit has revealed himself to us and he lives within us. And when we arrive somewhere, so does God. Absolutely. We are never alone. We are guided and helped and we carry his life-changing presence wherever we go. So I encourage you today, love people. Just be there for them. Pray for them. Invite them into your homes. Share meals with them. Wait on God to show you what to do and what to say. And if you feel judged or persecuted for your faith, which in today's society, it's very easy to feel. Remember Christ is your anchor. In all of the passages we've talked about today, Jesus reassures us he will always, always be with us. Amen. Amen. Sorry, George, can I have him up? He's just, just going to do a cut walk down the middle. Being a little levity. Okay. I'd really love to pray for some people today, if that's all right, before we close. Real quick, I would like to give an opportunity like we do every week for people who don't know Jesus as their saviour to pray a prayer inviting Jesus into their lives. Next, I want to pray for people who feel they don't really have the confidence to share their faith. And next, I want to pray for our plus ones. And, that, and spend a moment just asking God, this is something that we can do this week 
something simple, a step forward. So if you're here today and you're going, hang on, I can't share about Jesus because I don't know him, fair enough. This moment is what it's all about. If you don't know Jesus personally, but you want to have him with you, an anchor in your life, give you hope and purpose, all you have to do is pray a simple prayer where you declare Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour and decide to put your trust in him. As I said, this is something we do every week. So in a moment, I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes and if you want to pray this prayer, you just need to raise your hand right where you are. No one's looking around. And then I'll acknowledge it and we all pray the prayer together and then after the service, someone will come and chat to you about the decision you've made. So let's everyone close their eyes. Let's give this moment some respect. So if this is you, if you've never prayed this prayer or you did perhaps once believe in Jesus but now it's just not a reality for you, can you raise your hand right now if that's you? Really love to pray for you. Awesome. Awesome. Let's open our eyes. Thank you, God. Let's stand to our feet and raise our hands. Let's close our eyes and raise our hands to heaven, ready to receive. Thank you, God. It's, it's just a simple word simple act, being there for someone. We can put so much pressure on ourselves. Father God, today I thank you for this incredible community of people. If that's you, if you're feeling like you're just a bit overwhelmed about sharing who you are, who God has made you, the revelation you have, sharing the culture of this community and taking it wherever you go, that's you. Just raise your hands right up. Ready to receive this morning. Thank you, God. Your spirit is filling us afresh. Lord, you are empowering us, giving us everything we need. Lord Jesus, you are our anchor. We can stand firm. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. You fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. And just as you said to Joshua, Have courage. Have courage, church. Fill us with your courage, God. Thank you, Father. Keep your hands raised. Let's pray for our plus ones right now. If if you haven't got someone that you're praying for, why don't you ask God right now to show you that person, a friend or family member or colleague. Thank you, God, right now. We take a moment. And we ask you just to give us something simple that we're to do this week. A simple act, a simple word. Thank you, God. We just take a moment. Thank you, Lord. We listen to you.
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Hope you feel encouraged this morning.